Food Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade. Normal is not necessarily a virtue, it rather denotes a lack of courage, Rose. And in this episode, rather than my lovely co-host Hamish, I am instead joined here in the studio by a special guest. Please give it up for... Amber, I am the Lizard Queen, Orpin. <laughs> now, uh, we've never met in person before, right? No, who are you? Why did you bring me here? Well, <laughs> this is a podcast. Hence the microphone I that you see. can see in front of you. <laughs> no, uh, I won't... Uh, <laughs> I won't try and delude you listeners any further. You're far too savvy for that. And besides, you guys pay attention. But if you had missed it being mentioned in previous episodes by myself and Hamish, or perhaps in the episode description, or if our voices didn't give it away, Amber is in fact my real life sibling. Please don't let the little detail of her being taller than me, not that you guys can see that, but alas, that doesn't make it less true for you anyway. She is in fact the younger of the two of us. Uh, anyway, the reason Amber's here is not just because Hamish hasn't been able to get down to the studio yet. This is, in fact, an episode that's been in the work for ages. Um, I wanted to bring Amber on to talk about the geeky things we grew up enjoying together, how growing up with arguably geeky parents shaped us into the people we are now, and in Amber's case, shaping a possible geek of the future. Mm. Oh, yeah, no. We uh, we mentioned the nibbling quite frequently here at uh, Box and Included because... Mm. Uh, She's great. She's good fun. Yeah. Uh, but welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's, I'm happy to be here. It's lovely to have you here. I know. It's, it's first my first proper time in the in the sound cave as well. I visited, but I've not seen it in action. And now you're in front of a microphone. I know. There is a first for everything. Well, this would be my second time in front of an actual microphone. I got one sound test when I was in college running the Christmas show. Uh, where I was banished to have no speaking lines whatsoever, being a ghost dog of... But you're a spectacular ghost dog. <laughs> Thank you. But yes, I got one mic test when the moon was late for hers, so I did that, which was good fun. Mm-hmm. And then once a singing gig where I got about this close to a microphone again, so <laughs> I'm embracing embracing it and moving forward <laughs> it's good it's very good and it's exciting for me to to have you here uh, uh it's one of those things that uh, i'll lay it out on the table for our listeners uh for a very long time amber and i did not necessarily get on i think which is the way of siblings who are close in age and by virtue of that spend a lot of time in proximity with each other mm. but even though i'd say we really sort of have become friends since like i think i went to university yeah. i think that's when it sort of when we weren't forced to spend <laughs> we weren't forced to live with each other yeah. as soon as we stopped living together yeah we found more common ground yeah but saying that i think we've always had a lot of shared ground when it comes to things that we like media wise i think we've mm. got quite similar sensibilities yeah which arguably could come from our parents really like i think the sort of environment they fostered when we were growing up was very conducive to enjoying things together and the sort of yeah. things we had i mean we didn't have fuck tons of money growing up no <laughs> so the things that we had were things that were tended to be easy to share and the mm. thing about like movies and tv shows and 
maybe to a lesser extent books, but you and I had sort of different relationships with the written word. Yeah. When we yeah. were younger, I was more of a sort of I liked to consume them by myself. Mm. You enjoyed sort of having them read and things yeah. like that. And I was that little bit older, so I was taking books that were a bit more... Yeah, you could consume books. I remember you disappeared for, I think it was three and a half days Doing and Lord read of the, the entirety of Lord... And it was the huge hardback. Yeah, it was a single one. It was did, the, the three-in-one edition. Did when it I was, have all the appendices I don't think... It, if it had all the appendices, well. I don't think I read every single appendices, but it was after the Fellowship of the Ring came out and I basically really wanted... I'd, I'd tried to read it before the film mm. came out and I'd got as far as the first chapter and I was like, there are way too many names. I'm not interested. Fuck this. I saw the movie and I was like, I do not want to wait a year to find out what happens. So I I think uh, dad had a copy. Mm. So I sat down. I say I sat down. I basically spent three days on my bed reading Lord of the Rings when I should have been doing my physics coursework. <laughs> And the number of times I dropped that book on my face. Oh, we heard you from downstairs. You just hear this. Ah! Yeah. I mean, I've worn glasses for a very long time. So that was hardbacked book mm. onto the glasses, into the face. Um, but yeah, I mean, we always had like graphic novels and things growing up around. Yeah. And lots of comics and stuff like that. So I, I, what I mean is there were always those sorts of things there. But I remember a lot of my memories of us together that aren't, down the park, like me being gallant leader in the <laughs> forcing other people. The time, yeah, most of a lot of my memories of us hanging out together are watching things. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We used to like hang out in the mornings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We did watch videos a lot. Trying to remember. Yeah, um, <laughs> we uh, we were chatting just before we started recording. Um, we had this big cupboard in our in our living room next to the TV. Like to say, we had a very small black and white TV for years. Yeah. We didn't get a decent sized television until <sighs> someone else got rid of one. <laughs> yeah, and um, but yeah, it wasn't a massive TV. Uh, it's got like fourteen inch, inch maybe. Yeah. There's a little dial on the front to yeah, turn that was around. The black and so. white one that was like that. Yeah. yeah. That, that, these were old school TVs. <laughs> yeah, when I said there wasn't a lot of money, yeah. But um to get back this massive cabinet, this wooden one. I I don't know whether uh, our dad built it or whether it was a bought one. I think it came from Denise's house. I yeah. Think. But a uh, chock full of videotapes, yeah, yeah. like stacks, VHS, packed <laughs> to the rim, and a lot of it we had like lots. I remember there were always lots of Disney movies in there and mm. things like that, but a lot of it was VHS taped off the TV. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Usually, I, like with one name scribbled out, but they were always painstakingly labelled. Mm. But like those videotapes were like such a trove of stuff that I don't think kids our age. Watched. Yeah, there were some good ones in there. Um, we were talking about, is it Wizards by, I think, I want to say it's Rankin Bass is the animation house, the guys that did like the last unicorn and yeah, uh, yeah. the original Lord of the Rings animated thing. It's that sort sure. of style. I can't remember a whole lot about that movie except the animation being really trippy, the wizards being really small and there being one lady with very large breasts. Yeah, she had like sheer kind of proper 80s fantasy just covering the nip but yeah. you could still see the nip like yeah, smuggling peanuts like it was ridiculous yeah yeah but no um 
We were always encouraged to, like, if we wanted to read something that was on the shelves mm. or watch a thing. Like, it's not like we were allowed to watch just anything. I think we were told, like, maybe don't watch Terminator 2. Just yet. Just yet. Well, yeah, well, there was the, the top above where all of our. Oh, yeah, there was the video. There was the, the, the section of the cupboard that was out of reach that had, like, the 18 rated movies, like the heavy action stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember like staring up at them some days and just looking at them being like, when will I get to watch and be like squinting at it? Street Fighter. Yeah. Or like Terminator 2. Yeah. Or some of the other things. I can't. There was a couple of strange animals. I think Akira was up there as well. Really? Oh, I man. I can't was. believe I've still never watched Akira. No, I know. Shame on both of yeah, us shame. forever. Shame. 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 Uh, <laughs> I need a bell. <laughs> shame. 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 But yeah, the kind of. Mum and Dad would always explain about what it is and kind of why they liked it. I always felt Mum maybe encouraged more of the artwork kind of side of things. Yeah. I remember her talking about... um, I remember the Spider-Man comics, I think, when I was first kind of dipping my toes in. Yeah. And she said she loved, like, how uh, all the body poses and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And she loved Etcher and loves Etcher. Yeah. So she was always... Mm. The art person to look through, I guess. Sure. Whereas Dad was always very big onto narratives. Like, he was big on storytelling, like... There was always Terry Pratchett books and David Gemmell books and stuff in mm. our house. Like I've got very vivid memories of just like the I, I've got the, I've got them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like this whole shelf of the original. Is it Paul Kid Kirby? Paul Kirby. Jack yeah. Kirby? No, Jack Kirby's a Marvel guy. Paul. Yeah, but like the original, those proper. When you think Discworld covers, they're oh, those yeah, the, Discworld yeah, covers, yeah. the ones that. Very rarely have anything to do with what happens in the yeah, story. They're all very round and yeah, soft, they're very they? cool. Yeah. yeah, they're they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and Dad was the one that used to do the reading. Like when we both had stories read to us, Dad yeah. was the the one that did that. I did like the story time. Yeah, have it. Uh, the the first book I really vividly remember Dad reading was Mort mm. by Terry Pratchett. And a lot of people have gone like, oh, that's a bit dark, isn't it? And I'm like, mm, kind of. I mean, there but... were definitely books before that, but do you mean like the act of being read to? Oh, no, that's a lot of that drink. was a lot of tea. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We're, we're good. We're, we're carrying continue. on. Um, yeah, I'm sure there were books before that, but that's one I very vividly remember. And I think the artwork is part of that when you're like laying there trying to relax. Did you read relax. the graphic novel with Dad? Or was th- it the book and you just remember the artwork? Because I know we had a graphic novel of it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Now, I remember Dad reading me the book and, like, just looking at the artwork that's on it and being kind of, like, lost in that little world that it sets up for you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it to Kyra. Yeah. We've done a, a couple of the Tiffany Aching books with mm-hmm. the, the We Free Men. We've done the first two. Where I've I've read Winter Smith, yeah, which has been good fun because I'd not read any of the Tiffany Aiken ones before, so I've been reading yeah. them for the first time, reading them to her. That's amazing. Which is difficult with Terry Pratchett sometimes. True, true. But not as bad as a uh, Lemony Snicket doing mm. that as a blind read to like a seven year old. Yeah, it was a it was a task. A learning curve. It was. I'm glad I finally read them though. They were yeah, good fun. That's cool. 
But um, yeah, I always remember as a part of a thing growing up, and I I blame a lot of where my sense of humour comes from on like the stuff we that was always on thing a lot of British comedy. But yes. um, sci-fi was always big in our house. Like mum and dad both like Star Trek and the X Files. Yeah. I remember them being on a lot. But I have vivid memories of Red Dwarf being on. Lots, lots, lots of, of Red Dwarf. Red, Red Dwarf. Yeah, um, things like Blackadder. Yes, like a lot of that kind of. Dry British humour. Uh, dry. <laughs> mm. Dry humour. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those people that know me and are familiar with me on the podcast or in real life, know that I'm a very sarcastic individual. Really? Really. <laughs> what gave me away? Mm. Um, but a lot of that, uh, our dad was very sort of dry in the in a similar sort. He, I don't say we had the same sense of humour, but he had a similar kind of low-key kind of delivery with yeah. how he did a lot of things. No, for sure, for sure. It was, it was never one outlandish and jokes were always... If it was a set joke, it was always mm. quite subtly laid within mm. the conversation type a- a- thing. Apologies, folks, there's a football game on nearby, so the helicopter is, like, doing rounds over the town, <laughs> so uh gives us a nice sort of uh, vibe <laughs> uh, for the episode. They're watching us. Mm. But, yeah, it's just, it was a really good environment to grow up in. I think, like, for all the stuff we didn't have, Mm. I mean, I don't think I was ever really aware of us going without until we got, as we got, like, secondary school and stuff like that. And then you just sort of become aware. That's when your your reference pool gets gets bigger. bigger You suddenly realise. In a big way. But um, I always felt very encouraged like to pursue my interests for sure for sure and I think I think really that was kind of a big part of what I took from what they were trying to get out a lot of the time that if you like if you if you enjoy that thing then then enjoy it don't Mm. worry about kind of what other people think about it or if other people think it's strange it's what you get from it yeah that's important when um I had my autism assessment Mm. um our, our mum came with me, which is fairly standard. They had they like to have somebody who was there as part of your development years. Yeah. And uh, mum was talking about it then, and we were just saying, like, for us growing up, our parents were never like, you're spending an awful lot of time on that one thing. Do you maybe want to do something, something different? Yeah. They were very supportive and less, oh, okay, you're into this right now. Cool. Go for it. We were never mm. shamed for being passionate about things. No. Which is weird, because I don't see why anybody would be, but so often, like, I didn't really learn shame about being enthusiastic about things until peer pressure really kicked in in yeah. secondary school. We never had that growing up at home. No. Like, that sort of, don't you think you should dial it down a bit? No, no, I think we were always not, not actively encouraged, but never... Never put down, yeah, never discouraged for wanting to look into it or wanting to read that book again or wanting to watch that film again. Which is probably a good thing because there are films <laughs> that you and I have watched so many times mm-hmm. together that we can do entire <laughs> swathes of the script, if not the whole movie. Um, the one I quoted at the beginning, for those who don't know, I was loosely paraphrasing uh, Aunt Francis from Practical Magic, which is um, 
a film that maybe isn't the most amazing movie in the world. No, but I, I. It's always one of my comfort movies because it makes me think about Amber. Like, it, obviously, you've got this central relationship between the two sisters. And um, for years, I always said that Amber is the jelly bean to my Sally, which is just sort of how we roll. But I remember us watching that. Maybe I don't think we even watched that a lot, but that's a, I have that so connected to you and me mm. as as people. But um, yeah, I think there were there was other things about the film that we really enjoyed as well, which made us kind of put it put it on a lot. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I've got vivid memories of watching that with you and kind of thinking about you when I'm watching it as yeah. well. Yeah, like, no, I, oh, I always, I, just... I always think about you when I watch it. I don't know if it's just because it's kind of a a, a subtle sisterhood mm. film in that sense, and um, there weren't always many films with such a strong female kind of presence within yeah, them. For sure, I think. I kind of enjoyed that before I realised that was a reason why, why I, enjoyed I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. There aren't loads of movies that have got strong relationships between female characters. And while I no longer consider myself to be female, I was yeah. socialised as such. And it was, it's a large part of who I am yeah. growing up. A large part of my identity is still tied to those experiences and those media because that was how I saw myself at that point in my life. Yeah, And so... Um, yeah, films that did have those strong dynamics. Um, it happened much later. We certainly weren't kids when it came out, but I know we had a similar sort of reaction when Lilo and Stitch came out. Yes. Uh, I mean, Lilo and Nani, the age difference is l- much larger than it is with us. But they had the sibling dynamics. Yeah, I think the, the moment when they're yelling at each other is just like, <sighs> go to your room, I want to in my room. And then they both scream into pillows at yeah. the same time. I was uh, so shocked. I remember on some of the extras or something. Yeah. They, like, first kind of reviews came back and people weren't sure whether... Nani was her mum. was her mum or her sister. And I was like, it's just just so obvious straight away. Yeah, that dynamic is so sibling. Yes. So very, very sibling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that film so much. It's... um, I mean, I have a, an Ohana tattoo. That film means so very much to me. Mm. But part of the reason I get so very ragey about Frozen, which I haven't seen, and I will at some point, I'm sure, but one of the key things everyone trotted out about it, it's Disney's first movie about sisters. And I'm like, you fuckers disrespecting me, Lowered Stitch. Hello. 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 Can we talk about those amazing Hawaiian sisters, please? And how that, yeah. that whole fucking movie is about love and family. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, had had this, but how it, if that were how things rolled here at Box Not Included, I was very tempted to have my title be Ohana means family, and for Amber to say family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Oh, breaks God. my heart oh, I know, every time. I know. Uh, Lilo and Stitch <sighs> is one of the movies guaranteed to make me sob like a child because and I will say the line because Amber is here and I like to inflict because you know we're siblings Go we inflict it. it's just like. Can I say goodbye? And then I found my family all on my own. It's little and broken, but it's still good. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still good. good. Like, like, ah. Ah. I get it, it wraps in that kind of that found family feel oh, as well. Oh, you mean you mean Jade Kryptonite? As in his, <laughs> ah. 
If you want to watch Jade be eviscerated emotionally, just I watched the Lego Batman movie yesterday. Oh, I haven't watched that. I will lend one it to yet. you. But at the end, um, it's great. It's this whole thing about getting finding your family in the trade. It's just like Batman's biggest fear is like uh, having a family and losing it. Oh. But at the end of it, it's just like. I will find you the song. It's just like, uh, friends are fab and you choose for yourself. And I'm there just like sobbing at the really chirpy, happy credit song in Don the fucking Lego, Lego Batman <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. the shit. Well, the first one was such a surprise. People yeah. thought it was just going to be like a goof or a flop. And I was uh, I was kind of hopeful. I thought, because I've played a few of the different Lego games. Oh, yeah, sure. And they've got the little cutscenes in them. All right. And I've always howled at those little cutscenes. They're such like, yeah. beautiful little um, silent comedy because yeah. none of them ever say anything. But as like a visual gag and the timing yeah. gag, they're always brilliant. Sure. Always made me laugh. And so self-aware as well because there was the Star Wars and the Harry yeah. Potter and the Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I know the Lego movie is not made by Lego. I, it was made by mm. people inspired by it. And yeah, it's just yeah. like, but there's something amazing about that. And yeah, I will lend you the Lego Batman movie before mm-hmm. for you to take home with you, uh, to, to share with Kyra and yes. uh, the other half. Uh, I enjoy that, I am sure. Um, it's actually kind of soon, but uh, I don't know about you, Emma, but uh, how would you feel about a tea break? I love the sound of a tea break. The sound of a sea break. The, s- <laughs> the sound of a tea break. I'll put, yeah. I'll put the kettle on. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the middle section of the show. We're in the middle of the show you go you guys are missing out on some quality interpretive dance up here with B&I <laughs> it doesn't knock much off of Achilles a little while back before they delved into that volcano yeah. and critical role oh uh, yeah we should get back to that into the second half it's just like Ooh. the infecting of things I like becoming things you like it slowly seeps through it tends to happen that way round generally speaking no but there are definitely a few things because I owe you for the boosh Oh, that's true. But um, that's enough about you and me for now. We'll of get back course. to you and me. Um, <laughs> Want to give a shout out to the listeners for tuning in. Hey. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. Always great to have you guys here with us. There wouldn't be much of a podcast without you. Without listeners, that's true. That's very true. Anyway, as always, we are sponsored by Beastly Beverages. Mm. Fandom and fantasy, luxury, hand-blended, loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. Ooh, get it. <laughs> the business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And we've got a product spotlight today. Ooh. Hey, Amber, you've got, the, you've got it in front of you. You want to give it a go? What is the product spotlight today? It is... Siren! It has two explanation Those explanation marks. points were mine. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, then it's just called Siren. Ooh, tell me more. Tell you more. I don't know where the information is. It's underneath is. it's directly underneath it's it. It's not. There's just a big blank. Did oh. you put it in, in white text? Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'll read I'll do my best news announcer voice. An enticing blend of roibush and red fruit sweetened with yogurt and mango, part of the Beastly Beverages Demons and Monsters exclusive tea series. Ingredients are roibush, dried mango, yogurt crisp, sour cherries, and red thistle. I don't drink much. Roybus, Roybush, Roybush. I don't really drink it. How do, do you, you? Do you drink more tea than I do? Yeah, yeah. I How enjoy, do you find it? I like it. It's quite mellow. I've 
my kind of herbal tea of choice is chai, but John got me onto Roybush. It's a yeah. good one for the evening. Since I've been working, I find I need something less caffeinated. Less caffeinated. Ugh. But yeah, it's quite mellow. It's not super spicy. It kind of mm. hits near the back. And how does that works. sound when combined with sour cherries, dried mango, and yogurt crisps? Mmm, it sounds delicious. <laughs> well, if you want to try some amber, or if any of our listeners want to try some, mm. uh, you can check them out at beastlybeverages.com. They also have a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. And if you use the sponsor code Beverage Beast to get free shipping, or you can use that code even to get free shipping. Uh, when? Well, thank you. When you spend £20 or more, uh, Beastly Beverages ships worldwide. Once again, that's Beverage Beast. All one word, capital B's. Hey, Amber, do you want to do a Hamish and come up with a really bad tagline slash slogan for be- uh, for Beastly Beverages? Oh, what, on the spot? Yeah! Uh, you cannot do any worse than Hamish does. I'm not sure on that. What is it, Monsters and... Yeah, this is Demons and Monsters, part of the Demons and Monsters series. Uh, I believe in you. You believe, we'll believe. Quiet your inner demon, sing it with siren. For, from beverage, not from beastly beverage, beast, from beastly beverages. That was good though. We got there. That was some great something. form. Maybe a bit of struggle on the dismount, but that was a that was a solid eight out of ten. I think we'll go with that. Quell your inner beast, siren. That's beastly good. That's good. That's the most. That's it. I'm done. Now. Okay, you want to finish off that cup of tea, and we'll go back to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Cool, cool. And we are back. Back again. So uh, we were talking. Uh, about films that we have watched uh, countless times, and I feel like we would be remiss. It's a show. I think I've mentioned this movie on on uh, Box Night Included before, but whenever I think about uh, mine and Amber's relationship, it's one of the first things that pops to mind. And I don't know whether it's because I have the artwork so clear in my head because mm. it makes me think of Amber. Uh, but that's uh, Tank Girl. Um, I always forget who the director was, but I know it was a lady director. Oh. Yeah. Wasn't she involved with Mad? Mm, I, I could Google right. it, but, but the, 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 the B movie, uh, Tank Girl, starring Laurie Petty. Hey. Iconic movie of our youths. Yes. Yeah. Like, when I said there are movies that we can quote beginning to end, Tank Girl, I think more than anything else, is one of them. We know, we know that one's strong. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember we went to, it was at our friend Erica's house, I think, when we watched it first. Because uh-huh. there was a bunch of us around for the summer holidays. Yeah. And I think it's a 15. Yeah. And she kind of went, right, well, you're this age, you're this age, you're this age, and I'm this age, so if we average it out, everyone's over 15, so we can put the film on. <laughs> um, and, yeah, my world was kind of blown open a little bit. Buy it. I remember yeah. just kind of seeing, uh, seeing this person who moved with such kind of, uh, with ease. I think a lot. Yeah. Of her, there was nothing about her that seemed awkward. Yeah. Or um, anything. This is something that um, I think you actually see a lot with Jamie Hewitt's uh, drawing, mm. um, and something that the film, because the film uses like insets of the art anyway. Yeah, yeah. But what's really interesting about uh, Tank Girl slash Rebecca, who I believe is never called Rebecca in the comics. I don't think so. But uh, in, in the movie she is given a name, is that she's frequently incredibly scantily clad, mm. but her sexuality 
there's one there's an almost feral quality to her which is amazing but like mm. her sexuality is an enti- is entirely on her own terms even like in instances in the movie where perhaps people are trying to threaten that and that only really happens once mm. it's that I know it's a couple of times but both times she is in there is this conf- utter confidence to her and it's not a sexy kind of confidence yeah I always really liked I I wanted to be that confident. Yeah, for sure, for sure. She would walk into a space and like oh my like ladies lock up your sons. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But there was something always very unapologetic about her. Yeah. But, um in the movie more than the graphic novels, uh she is chaotic good. Yeah, for like, sure. Like so chaotic. She is so chaotic. Mm-hmm. Actually, arguably I think she's say chaotic neutral. Because she's only really good when it comes to the people that she cares about. That's true. But uh, I I don't think... She she has a a sense of right and wrong. It just doesn't necessarily line up with other... But she's compassionate. That's part of who she is. Like the the relationships she builds with people, um, the relationship she has... uh, Oh, what's what's the little girl's name? Oh, Sam, I Sam. think. Yeah, Samantha, yeah. <laughs> Sam, I did not trade you my very special Doris Day bust. <laughs> but this, what is this? It, it speaks to me. It said Ripper. <laughs> anyway, we'll try not slide down that uh, that hole of quoting. But the relationship slope. she has with Sam, the relationship she has with Jet, which is arguably the most important other relationship she has in the movie, yeah, and we were saying before the break about practical magic and that relation, that strong sense of sisterhood and women together. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Tango has that. T- I mean, a lot of Tango, she's sort of a bit of a lone wolf, but also she latches onto Jet and protects her, and but also yeah, she yeah. sort of helps Jet become herself. Yeah, she gives her the kind of space. I yeah, think, which is really good. I I really like Jet's kind of transformation as she goes through not in only her look mm. but in how she kind of speaks with other people, people. at first she's so mm. recluse down and stuff like but that but she's always the same person she's still into fucking planes and is really fucking good at what she does that's very true that's very very true but yeah Tango is just it's not arguably the gr- a great movie no there's no, lots I'm, of problems I, <laughs> I always give the caveat it is not a good film yeah. But I love it so very much. It's mm. colourful. It's got a great soundtrack. I the performances <laughs> in it are such good. There's some amazing creature work. I think they're Jim Henson workshop, I The Rippers. Think no, is. Stan Winston. Ah, yes, Stan, yes, yes. Stan Winston creatures. And they're awesome. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's good makeup. if you can take nothing away from this, I feel like you should watch Tango. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, again, it was the kind of artwork that put us onto it because mm, Mum had, had the graphic had novel. the novels up there anyway. They were ones we weren't allowed to read until a bit later. Yeah, yeah. They were There's like, lots of mm. naked breasts in there. <laughs> but again, it's not sexualized. Uh, yeah, and I think that's what I really cottoned on to. I mean, you get kind of... Oh, I'm getting tangled over. She was confident but not kind of portrayed as sexy mm. but yet her confidence kind of pulls that through yeah and i think a lot of it was whether it was my kind of start of love of dystopian kind of fashion oh like yeah this, no this cobbled same, together same. Looked. but um the, all of those things she she would have found and had chosen for herself for herself 
Yeah. So it was a look that she created and it really kind of helped instill in me that like I can wear what I want. It's just yeah. what makes me feel good and Yeah. Feminist icon and upcycler extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and fantastic tank driver. <laughs> hell yeah. An amazing drinker of beer. Yes. One for the road. One for the road. But um I suppose what I particularly like about growing up in that sort of encouragement to seek out new things and be passionate about it is the way that we've carried on doing that. Like, although you and I are very different people mm. in a lot of ways, we also have a heck of a lot of overlap, like, yeah, in our sure. interests. Like, we, I think we approach stuff differently mm. or maybe from different perspectives, but we find ourselves drawn to a lot of the same materials. And it's very rare that one of us will love something and the other one is just like, meh, nah. <laughs> uh-uh. Like, I think you've got a, a stronger relationship with dance and things like that because that's a passion that you've had. But yeah, I always yeah. find that interesting. And I'm sure there are things that I'm into that perhaps... I think I have a stronger relationship with sci-fi, for yeah, example. Yeah. Than, like, fantasy as well. Like, speculative fiction. Mm. Like, I like a lot of stuff. I'm doing this gesture with my hands, <laughs> like a very half-assed <laughs> attempt to throw a basketball or, in my case, more like to be a netball. <laughs> Swish. Yeah, I think um, I think for a long time I had trouble with reading. It like mm. it took a lot of energy out of me to be able to process things. Yeah. So I found sci-fi hard to digest because, as well as the language, there's also a whole other world that is yeah, yeah. often with its own language for sure. But again, there was lots. I remember Dad having lots of sci-fi books, and a lot of them have arrived at my house now. Yeah. Um, so I went through them a little while back and I recognised some of the names out of it as like, wow, this is like classic kind yeah, of Yeah, like sci-fi. the love Asimov and yeah, maybe. Uh, Philip K. Dick. Yeah, yeah, there's like some of them I just recognised the artwork from like 25 sci-fi right. things you must read yeah. and stuff. I should check with you about the Philip K. Dick. I need to do some more research. Oh, for sure. I've, got a, I've got to catalogue it all anyway. Yeah. Um, but one thing I enjoy enjoyed and still enjoy about sci-fi i think is it is maybe the first instances we get where it breaks very rapidly the kind of not social norms but because you're in outer space or in this world which is similar to ours whereas fantasy Mm. is kind of different yeah that kind of Ah, my point that there are people who exist that aren't what we are kind of used to mm. in that sense there's other things yeah. than just the one or the yeah. the other i think um as well as growing up with uh, geeky parents i think mm. it's kind of fair to say that our parents are both uh, were both very sort of subculture mm. like um we're saying like that drawn to the other i think we've always been very lucky in that we've always been part of other rather than I've never felt part of mainstream society <laughs> in my life. I think we're lucky to grow up around these wonderful group of people who mm. like uh, people who maybe society frown upon and things like that, but like bikers and punks and hippies, like yeah, these yeah, subcultures. For sure. And for us, that was our normal. Yeah, I, I'm really thankful of it. God, yeah, and no, it's... same. And um, I think growing up among in that kind of environment of 
we are other and we do not give a shit that you <laughs> yeah, think yeah. that we are other to you. Mm-hmm. Not that we're better than, rather we're separate to. Yeah. And um, interestingly enough, I say interestingly enough, like <laughs> that means anything, um, you and I, neither of us are a, a cishet. Well, no. I, sorry, I, you're cis. Yeah. I'm I'm very much not. <laughs> um, but neither of us are het. And um, this is an interesting conversation. I, I came out. I've say I've had various kinds of coming out yeah, with our sure. parents. No, I remember I remember the first time I kind of came out to my parents, uh, to mum and dad. And it was just so I don't know if it was like a me trying to rebel or just kind of get something. And it's, it happened so often. I remember kind of just going into their bedroom and just like announcing that like, Mum, I'm a lesbian now. And she just kind of looked up from what she was doing. And she's like, oh, that's nice, sweetheart. And just went back to it. And there was a real frustration within yeah, me. Yeah, no, at that we, point. We, there was, we always said, like when we were younger, there was no rebelling against our parents. They were so counterculture that there was no. No, there was nothing yeah, to rebel yeah. against. <laughs> I mean, um, I never really came out to Dad. Um, mm. I'm fairly certain he knew. Yeah. But one of my clear memories is watching Charlie's Angels full throttle with him and us mutually agreeing how about how basically attractive Drew Barrymore <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm. It's one of those things. Like, I think I've spoken to a co- uh, to like our stepmom uh, mm. since. Just like. It's one of those things, uh, the older generation of your, your parents' friends, depending on the kind of environment you grew up in, just like our parents' friends were round a lot. So they're sort yeah. of like almost our friends, almost family, like having lots of aunts and uncles that are also kind yeah. of closer than aunts and uncles. But I remember talking to a stepmom, she's like, oh, yeah, no, a bunch of us aren't straight. And I was like, <laughs> tell me more. Yeah, and I've never <laughs> asked for specifics on who, though I've got a couple of thoughts Inklings. Yeah, yeah, yeah but because you don't like to make assumptions about people but then you come into the whole but why should heterosexuality be the default yeah yeah and i like that that's breaking down as well i had a lovely little moment of my own we spoke briefly about it the other day yeah i was standing in like a, a dripping wet playground first thing in the morning and just kind of trying to wake up a bit and i looked round at two of the uh, the young boys and they were just having a chat And this little thought like floated through my head of, oh, they would make such a cute couple. And then I realised that I had never actually had that thought before. About two little boys. About two boys or even about two young girls. Like quite often you're like, oh, they'd make such a cute couple. Look at them holding hands and things. But these kids, they're going to grow up in a world where it's... It's more not of a, as shit. it's more of a norm and things. And yeah. I, I love that. I love registering the moments when my own recognitions yeah. click over and the, like the that. thing is like heteronormativity is very internalized it's the society that we live in and we're always sort of working against that when you're part mm. of queer culture uh, and and when you are other yes as as like a to circle pack to the point when you already have an outsider perspective on a lot of things i think it can feel easier to yeah, that's true. Be another step into a different kind of other. That isn't to say that there aren't people in counterculture and subcultures that can be like homophobic and transphobic. Mm. We are very lucky to have. Yeah, we might not have had like stuff a lot of people had, but we have very loving, accepting parents. Yeah, there was support everywhere. Yeah, and I think a, a real strong understanding of that everyone is individual. Yeah that 
everyone's got their own things going on. Yeah. And so, see, we, you know, oh, not that we shouldn't assume and stuff, but just to understand that people are different and that is okay. Yeah, and I, I think when you're growing up feeling different, whether that's because you're a, a geek and you feel like you are not part of mainstream culture if it's mm. because you're queer and you don't fit with that culture, yeah. it's... I mean, and that isn't to say there still isn't the fear, because there is. Like when I came, uh, when I I've come out to like um, my uh, our stepmom and our mum about being non-binary and trans mm. non-binary, and I don't think they necessarily understand. Yeah. But there was never any judgment there. Only, could you explain that to me? I want to support you. I want yeah, to yeah. understand. And that's always been the way Mm. and that's been like that when it comes to sexuality and it's been like that when it comes to interests yeah yeah i'm aware that i keep circling back because this is trying to make this not just about amber and i talk about growing up (laughs) um because the thing is we are a couple of fucking nerds this is very true like um to circle back to a point i was making earlier about how we often influence it we are mentioning the break how we'll often influence each other's if one of us is particularly passionate about a thing... Oh, yeah. Um, I found this thing. You need to share yeah, this thing with yeah, me. Yeah, that, that's so quintessential to geek culture, like mm. sharing a thing that you are very, very, very passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. And in, in recent years, um, I know uh, the reason why Amber is into Critical Role and Dungeons & Dragons yeah. uh, is through me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Though, interestingly enough, we found out our dad used to play D&D. Yeah, well, I remember I had, like brief memories of yeah. him saying about playing it or him explaining yeah. how the game works and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've uh, I'm not clued in overly much on the internet and stuff like that. So you tend to find these things that are in this like swath. The ether. Yeah, man, it's a difficult thing to wade through yeah, sometimes. Yeah, because I think I helped you find Steven Universe, didn't I? Yeah, Which I think... Which Kyra. Yeah, Tumblr threw me up like a few yeah. I think it was not long after Stronger Than You yeah when it out. really got yeah I was like what is this thing that's absorbing yeah. my tumbling and you're like just go and watch it and yeah. I think I watched nearly all of it that was out yeah. one day at home on my phone screen while Kyra was at work just consumed it yeah. so quick she loves Kyra's at school she's a uh, we've, we're not <laughs> we've not farmed her out for oh no no she's off learning yeah but um yeah, I know that that was one that went that. There's a couple that went that way. Um, you introduced me to the Mighty Boosh, which while I have a bit of a more complicated relationship with now than when I first got into it, like mm. some of the jokes, greater understanding about certain things, hindsight as well, yeah. just like. Mm, mm, mm. But, but there's still a lot. I still love a lot of the Mighty Boosh, and you introduced. I think the first live show had happened, and I think. Somebody yeah. introduced you to it. You learned about it at college and you shared that with me and I was gone. Yeah, I think it was that that odd, surreal kind of comedy. Again, we said earlier about there was kind of always that British comedy yeah. thing that was on and nothing had, nothing new had appeared for a while and these guys had kind of were well, yeah. older than us 
but had obviously watched kind of some similar stuff. There was lots of like Monty Python yeah, kind of hints to yeah. it, the surrealness, and yeah. plus the little the little music tunes in it. Were yeah, really we grew up fun. around a lot of music. Oh, so much music. So uh, so much. Yeah. Um, things like Utopia, I think you got me into. Yeah. Still annoyed about that getting cancelled, Channel 4. Yeah, it ended up nice. Mm. I wouldn't say that was a satisfying end to the narrative. Oh, no, that's true. I'm thinking about it more now. I'm just remembering all the gorgeous cinematography. That was one of the best-looking TV shows I have ever seen in my life. Gorgeous, wasn't it? Yeah, like it looked like comics. Mm. It was like the cut, the fucking saturation. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could could pause any moment in Utopia and it was like looking at a comic book panel. Pull it all out. Yeah, it was stunning to look at. It had the it did the where it puts the background in the soft focus yeah. a lot and you don't see that yeah. much. They, they did some really cool stuff. Check it out, Utopia, if you can find it. It was on Channel Four. It's a very dark. If you're into like Black Mirror and sort of satire, but um, unfortunately, given the rapidly dystopian world we find ourselves living in, <laughs> Utopia might be a little bit bit of a hard watch. <laughs> but it's still got some amazing writing, some amazing... It's hard to watch. It's very violent in places, but it's very got one violent. of the best ensemble casts. Beautiful. Even, like, the young the young actors in that yeah, are brilliant. Sure. I like all the mm. protagonists yeah. in that. And, again, the music in that is mm-hmm. phenomenal, again. Yeah. Channel Wonderful. 4 as well. I think you got me into Misfits, or we found Misfits at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think we were just intrigued by, like, the big storm superpowers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're working class as well, so I think Misfits was kind of a big sort of... Oh, these are our kind of... Our people. These our kind of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. But um, I suppose we've rubbed on for about... Um, I know you, you made a list of notes and we've barely touched on it. We've talked about oh, some yeah, of the things. We did. Well, I was just trying not to just spin on my chair at work and I just wrote down a few little bits. Um, well, something that Hamish and I have talked about um, a lot, um, and if you don't mind me talking about uh, being sort of a, a queer, geeky person in your mm-hmm. own right, uh, we talk about finding ourselves and seeing ourselves. Have you got any particular examples? Because I find it because of the slight age difference between us. Yeah. Although it is only two years, like you're younger than me, but a little bit older than Hamish. Yeah, yeah. So um, you. I, I was trying to have a think of this earlier, and it's. I wasn't young, but I remember, again, Channel 4, they did this uh, programme called Sugar Rush. Yes, I remember it um, well. And that, I I don't know if it was just because, like, our family was kind of going through a divorce at, I think, the similar yeah. similar kind of time. Yeah. So a lot of that, like... Resonated. <laughs> yeah, hit true and hit home. But I remember that was kind of one of the first times that I maybe saw myself in media and kind of a queer perspective yeah there was this person who was kind of like not confused by it but didn't know kind of what to do about it while the rest yeah. of the world was kind of crumbling down around her yeah um and there was uh very like a bit earlier than that was our, our good old friend sailor moon who popped in yeah and i think we were chatting about a little bit earlier I think I must have watched like the the Japanese with subtitles because yeah. you said when it aired over here they yeah played... there's something about the Western dub the two I I do not know Sailor Moon I'm so I very much <laughs> upset like my friends my nerdy friends because my pool of references is tragically small but is it uh, Venus and yeah. Uranus uh, Uranus who is and uh, Neptune sorry yeah Uranus. Uh, 
Haruka and Neptune. What is it? Usagi. I'm probably saying these. Yeah, we're we're wrong. we're we're very <laughs> terrible. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, my understanding in the West, they removed certain scenes and things like that to diminish the romantic. Yeah, yeah. Relationship between. But them. I remember checking that out and being like, oh my god, there are people that exist that are kind of like me. I remember like latching on, and that's when I first found like fan art and things like that. I was like, what? Other people have drawn these characters. Yeah. Om nom nom, om nom nom, consume yeah. it all. Um, but yeah, I think for the for the most accurate, I I would identify myself as pansexual. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just the the hippie part of my brain. Yeah. That understands that this this body that I live in. Yeah. Is is just the body I live in. Who I am is built by the experiences I have and the people I talk to and the interests I have. Sure. And you know, I I from the outside, my world looks like a pretty cishet kind of thing. I was like, here is my husband and here is my small child. But I I love John. It mm. just so happens that John is in that body yeah and that's kind of the way I've always seen it and Mm -hmm. it stems back to that everyone is individual Mm -hmm. which come you know you can't you can't you can't box people in I see what you did there um (laughs) sorry so yeah that's kind of something that always rang true for me and it's nice I think it was in uh the second season of Sense8 um, there was the reporter, I think. Yeah. And there was that little moment where she just, she said pretty much the same, I fall in love with people, not their genitals. And I was like, ah, oh, there it is. Yeah. I love you because of the way you treat people and the way you think mm. and the way you enjoy things, not yeah. because of the uh, I find it interesting. Living. We're coming off, I think last week was uh, by visit. We're currently in like either by visibility month or it was by visibility week or there was by visibility day on like the 23rd of September, which yes. wasn't that long ago. Um, my relate, I've talked before on the show about my relationship with the word bisexual versus mm. pansexual versus queer yeah, and how yeah. I use them all yeah. because my own gender is a very complicated place and how I intersex with other people's gender is a complicated place. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is I am attracted to people of certain genders, of all genders, mm. but sometimes it's to do sometimes their gender is a part of that. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. And I always want to honour other people's gender identity to say, oh your gender means nothing to me. It's just like yeah, yeah but it might mean something to them. No, for sure. For and sure. and so the relationship I have with the words is an interesting one and when I one, I get very upset when I see people using the words to, to throw accusations about transphobia and things like that, when yeah. my experience of being a trans non-binary person and knowing so many other trans people and non-binary people, if not sort of in real life, then through the wonderful connections I've made online to say, well, I use bi, uh, hello, don't I get to define what that word means? Yeah. Being the person that is using that word. The word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, surely but, I get to say in this somewhere. Yeah, but I... I, I I don't know what it means to say that we both happen to be queer. I kind of like <laughs> that we both are. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just... it's it's one more way that I think you and I, I think, have been able to connect as as we've gotten older, mm. which is which is a cool thing. For sure, for sure. So, and yeah, I guess I will round us out by talking about um, growing up geeky about how you try to sort of encourage 
the similar sort of environment we had growing up with uh, mm. with Kyra. Yeah. Who is uh, seven, going on 18. It would seem so, yes. It reminds me a lot of what I was like at that age. Like, she can be she can be delightfully silly and ridiculous, but she can also be horrifically mature. Yeah. And it's she, hilarious to she, me. She's getting on that dry sense of humour. She's floored me and John a couple of times with some of the jokes she's rung out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think... I'm just trying to trying to build a world for her that mm, yeah where she where she can be interested in things and where there is love and support and understanding that everyone is individual yeah and that that is okay think, uh, she yeah. came out with the brilliant thing the other day she was like we're all different which means we're all the same there are so many so many so many difference everyone's different so we must all be the same and I was like that's a good Uh, you treat everyone the same because every you treat people yeah people are on the same playing field yeah yeah for sure and the the idea of there being so many different combinations everyone is unique again everyone's built by the by their experiences and things And, yeah, again, I try to, like, encourage her into what she's excited in, but I try to feed her good, good stuff. I, I think mean, giving her Avatar and Steven Universe. Oh, like, that girl loves love. Avatar. Mate, we have just finished our possibly sixth run-through yeah. of both Avatar The Last Bender. This is and... how we know the shards are geek in the making. <laughs> and The Legend of Korra, which is fantastic, and she herself picked up at the at the end of Legend of Korra, where oh, um, Korra and Asami, Korra and Asami go on their go on their retreat together in the spirit world. Yeah, and she called up on it. I think maybe only the second time she watched it through, she said, mm. "That's just like Ang and Katara." And I was like, "Yes, yes, sweetheart, yes." <laughs> this is what makes me really happy um, with Kyra and just her friends as well. Like uh, when when you and I have spoken about it, like when um I. I sort of come have come to my understanding about being non-binary while Kyra's been alive. So she's known me as she. And but when uh, I started using uh they them pronouns and mm. you told Kyra, Kyra's never questioned it. And that's what's amazing to me about children. Yeah. People who say, "Oh, it's too complicated to explain to children." Kyra knows I'm not a she or a he. Yeah. Kyra knows that there are there's people like me. Who, that kind of feel sometimes more one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, there are some neither. people that don't feel like either. Some people that feel like nothing gender wise, mm. and like, but also like through through us, like Kyra knows about same sex couple. Uh, sorry, same gender couples, mm. and kids are amazing, and like they get it, and it makes me very angry when people use that as an excuse. Mm. But yeah, and just it's, I suppose it's a nice thing to know, and like. Um, I mean, Kyra is a very perceptive kid, yeah, as is. For sure. But like, she's going to be eight years old in Dece- in December. <sighs> Don't I know? I mean, it must be weird for you, uh... obviously. But um, yeah, she understands things, and like, but the fact that there is media that created for children, or for families, but for children, and they get it. And they get to grow up in a world where this sort of thing is hopefully the beginning of what they're going to get to see. Yeah, that's something I'm so thankful for. I think about it a lot mm. in the fact that like, I get little reminders of it every so often. 
and it kind of makes me wince a little bit uh, where people go like, oh, what are those, like, two boys kissing? That's weird. And I'm I'm straight there to, like, shut it down. Yeah. But now Kyra is kind of on the, the same side. She's like, it's not strange. They just love each other. Yeah. And, I mean, Ruby and Sapphire are a great example of that. And any time mm. she's kind of gone, well, that's strange. I'm like, well, what about this? It's great to be able to give her those... Mm-hmm. those references and I mean like mate she's smashing like gender norms and things yeah. as well she tells the other kids off for saying like you know well that's a girl's toy or whatever she's straight away there like I don't think the shops should be split up like that and things she's she's on it and I love that she's growing up in a world where mm. people are taking notice of things like that more it empowers me yeah <laughs> I believe the children are a future. future. That's not, <laughs> no, but no, all, don't say. In all seriousness, though, there's... Man, I didn't even get on to talking about theatre and shit like that. Oh, there's so much there. more. There is the, I guess, proper introduction to Geekyhood is I'm running Kyra's very first D&D game in the next holiday. Which is amazing. And she's been so excited about making her character. She's made loads of little notes about them and That's things. Awesome. It's very sweet. It's very oh. cute. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to have to... As as fun as it's been getting you in the studio yeah. for this. Um, thank you for, for joining me today to talk about, like, growing up geeky and queer and understanding the two and mm. all that jazz. Indeed. It's been good fun. I'm glad I finally got here. No, that's cool. Uh, if you want to get in contact uh, with us here at Box Not Included, uh, we've got individual Twitters. I'm Jade Oxford Rose. Uh, you can find Hamish at Hamish Steel. Amber does not have a Twitter. I know, Twitter frightens me so much. Amber's, Amber is just... arguably the smartest of all of us because she's not on social media <laughs> at all, really. Well, no, I, ha- I had to exit out, but Twitter just goes so quick yeah, no, that I can't, feel, that's can't keep up. Um, we're also... Uh, uh, you guys know this already, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're also at Box Not Included on Twitter and you can get us at Tumblr, uh, Box Not Included, at Gmail, Box Not Included. We've got a Facebook group. Just search for, you've guessed it, Box Box Not Not Included. included. (laughs) And you'll find us. Please get in contact. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. Questions for future No Box Box Pop. If you've got any cool stories about geeking out with your siblings, love to hear about it. it. It's a cool thing. And uh, as always, uh, if you are a user of iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. That's super helpful for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, audio overloid and master of the sound waves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com and you can now find his synthwave duo Glitter Wolf on Twitter at GWSynth and on Bandcamp, glitterwolf.bandcamp.com. I think that's correct. I did those from memory earlier. <laughs> he can yell at me later if I'm wrong. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. And I'm Amber Orpin. And don't let anyone box you in. <laughs>